1: It's great to be with you today in the studio. I have a guest here with me, and and I'm going to introduce him by asking some questions that he's prepared uh, that he shares on when he travels around, when he does interviews. He himself is a former talk show host himself, and uh, these are the questions. Do I have a purpose in life? Why is my life so hard? How can I Make a difference. Now, I can't think of one person that's uh, not asked that of themselves, maybe in the last 24 hours. It's that time we do that kind of thing because we know that life is full of these difficult questions. And my guest today is Kevin McCarthy, and he is uh, known as the On Purpose guy. He has a website called onpurpose.me. Me. And he's here today to answer those questions that we've just stated and a lot more. Welcome, Kevin.
0: Well, thank you. It's great to be with you, Mike. Uh, Again, we've done this before, and so it's great to be in the studio
1: here. It really is. You were, uh, we were talking. It seems like a lot longer ago that we were together. I think COVID had that uh, impact. (laughs) (laughs) One one day seemed like ten years. (laughs) Yeah, actually,
0: I kind of enjoyed the uh, light traffic and just being at home a lot. Was kind of fun for me. I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. and a speaker. And I I like to create. So uh, for me, it was kind of like, you know, I I, I don't have to go out and see people a whole lot, although I love people, but it was just sort of an interesting time. It was like a weekend, a long extended long weekend. (laughs) I I never
1: will forget the weird feeling of driving down I-4 or Maitland Boulevard in Orlando or I-75 in Gainesville during those times. And it would be, it would be so, like you said, light traffic and where is everybody? I did not like it. I'm grateful we're on this side of that, and praying that uh, we don't get back on that type of thing. You've been doing this kind of thing since 1991, and you're a member of the Christian Chamber. That's how you and I first met, because I got involved in that when I moved back to Orlando, and and so you've you've been doing these books. You wrote this whole thing. Let's start with your name, the On Purpose website. Uh, what what uh, drove this in you to, to have a, an outreach, a business, a ministry, if you will, that's uh, called On Purpose?
0: Well, late, uh, I'm actually going to say late in the 1980s. I really started to look at strategy. I'm a business strategy guy, really, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day. I, that's where I'm a business consultant. I work with generally owners of businesses on how to improve the performance of their business. And I'm also uh, a person that likes to look at the root cause of things rather than just the symptoms. So what I saw is in my business consulting work is I saw a lot of symptoms that were going on. And I kept saying, where is the root cause? If I can fix the root issue, then uh, a lot of these other things will take care of themselves And it's interesting because that's actually been something that I've had throughout my life. When I was uh, early in my life, in my teens and 20s, I was actually a teaching tennis pro. And one of the things that I really...
1: come on. Yeah,
0: yeah. One of the things I really uh, thought was unique about my ability to do this was most tennis pros will fix things that they see that are wrong. And I would look at it and say, what is that one thing... That is, if I can get it right with them, it'll fix six or eight or 10 other things that they're doing wrong. So it's the ability to sort of drill down to the essence of something. And so when you start to look at a business and um, you know, people will talk about their sales are not there, their profitability is not there, people are leaving. All of these issues are typically symptoms of something deeper. And I kept saying, what is that deeper thing? And what I found, again, in the 1980s, nobody was talking about purpose. Today, a lot of people talk about purpose,
1: and uh, no, I would say not a, not enough people.
0: Well, that may that's true too. I mean, that's, I'm thinking
1: uh, of politicians right now, yeah, and,
0: and not uh, and with a name like Kevin McCarthy, by the way. Yeah, I, I, well, I True, I never thought I'm, about. I'm that. not the congressman from California. Yeah. We should clarify. I'm not yeah. the congressman from California. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I found was um, purpose was at the center of that, and 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 I realized for organizations, and then I started looking at it, and saying you know, what about people? And so I really dug into it, and I realized that most people are struggling with um, what I call a sense of meaninglessness or being adrift in their life. Uh, People talk about getting their act together. Mm -hmm. There's all these terms that are used out there, and I recognize that there is this, uh, what Blaise Pascal, the famous mathematician, but also philosopher said, there's this God-shaped hole and You're the it,
1: second person in a week that's quoted Blaise that, Pascal with that very quote. Interesting. That, and so yeah. what I
0: started looking at is saying, well, what is that God-shaped hole and how does one fill it? Now, certainly Christ fills that hole. We know that. But th- maybe there's a deeper understanding because a lot of people we use in the Christian community these terms like God's will and identity in Christ. But what, what if you could get very specific about that? Now at the time I didn't know that I've since learned these things in the thirty-some odd years since, mm-hmm. mind you, that I've been at this, and and what I found was purpose is actually a very profound sense. It's you, I often describe it as spiritual DNA. Um, it's once you can unpack the sort of the genome sequence of purpose. Now you can understand what's going on in your life with greater clarity. I'm not going to say perfect clarity Mm -hmm. because ultimately life is a mystery. (laughs) There's aspects to it that we just will not understand on this side of heaven. But that said, purpose is a very profound thing. And in today's world, a lot of people use what I would describe as um, mythologies around purpose, uh, but purpose is your is, is their spiritual DNA. And that's so, at some level, what I was attempting to do was saying if I can help an individual understand their purpose, if I can help an organization understand its purpose, and then create alignment between the two, that is the essence of signif- I am significant, mm-hmm. I have a purpose, a reason for being. Mm-hmm and as an organization i belong to that organization therefore i have significance and belonging in a meaningful way therefore i can contribute my life counts i make a difference now we know from scripturally that that we have in innate value as humans i mean god so gave the, you know gave him made his, his, his only image. son so that we might have yeah. life you know it's and that's for individuals not just sort of a generic in the aggregate mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so at some level, this idea of getting to the root of our understanding and the being, then being able to put words on it, and particularly I use two words, like a spiritual DNA, an X and a Y chromosome, if you will, two-word mm-hmm. purpose statement. So the OnPurpose.Me tool um, allows people to find those words and, and put them in place and then allow them to um, live with them and then refine them over time. So it's a, it's an enormous jump into what for most people feels like this uh, vast ocean of whatever. You know, I just can't see it. I, I don't know what it is. I They don't know what they're looking mm-hmm. for, so they don't know how to find it. And, and, um, and so they're just in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And what this does is this puts them not only in the wilderness, but it gives them really almost like a GPS location right there at a, longitude and latitude for their life. And, and as a result, they now have a place where they're anchored. Now, again, the tool is not perfect, but it is extraordinarily accurate. We, you know, 82% of the people that use on purpose.me will tell us I rated an eight out of 10 or higher and 52% actually say it's a 10 out of 10 in terms of accuracy. Wow. Now, yeah. And then what's nice is, you know, we, we support them along the way. And as yeah. they're Developing it or marinating it is the way I
1: like to describe it. Now, wouldn't it be accurate to say from your standpoint, your experience, that the reason people uh, are messed up, as messed up as our culture is right now, is because they have really taken their eyes off the root. They've taken their eyes off of the real meaning uh, because they've taken their eyes off of God and His Word. That's what really drives, at the end of the day, that's what's really important, is what it, we know about the Lord and what he's left for us in his own word. But but our culture has, by and large, uh, abandoned that. And is that not the same thing as looking at just symptoms of life rather than looking at the real cause or the root of life?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right on that, Mike. I agree with you. And yet the thing that I think is challenging is that, um, again, I, 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 like it. I like to uh, describe on purpose as... Living water language. That when we have a culture that has drifted away from our faith or the the tenets of our faith, the, the relationship of our faith, which is really really ultimately what it's about, is the relationship of our faith. Um, and now, how do you bring them back? How do you yeah. how do you gather them in? Yeah. And what I found is there's this universal. There are a couple of universal desires that people have. One is a desire to know: is my life meaningful? Uh, the second is, how do I make a difference? you know, or, or in some cases, how do I serve? What's my calling is what a Christian mm-hmm. might describe it. But if you were to sit down and talk, and, and am I loved? I mean, these are the big questions that most people, I, I don't care whether they're in prison for serial murder or whatever yeah. it
1: may be. Christian or otherwise. Christian or otherwise. Mm-hmm. These
0: are the questions that they're asking. And at some level, we start we stop asking the questions and we just start getting into robotic mode we get into our routine or our rut hmm. and again it because it's like we don't think we can ever find the answer or we've given up hope that life is meaningful or we've given up hope that i can make a difference so i'm just going to survive and as a result, um, you know, we become the walking dead. It's, it's, I oh think, wise, My goodness. yeah, it's almost one of those reasons. Like why a zombie. Yeah. It's, it's almost why these zombie movies seem to be so popular with people. Cause I think at some level, I, I, I'm not a zombie person myself, but, uh, I know people that just absolutely love those movies. And I think at some level, not just the terror of it, but it's, um, that maybe they somehow relate to the fact that these, that's, that's the way life feels in many ways. And so, uh, I'm really about trying to eradicate meaninglessness from this planet. That's
1: great. That's a big goal right that's there. That's a big goal. And <laughs> that's, and that's why I, I
0: needed a tool to do it. And, you know, because of my 30 over 33 years of working in this, I kept saying, how do I help more people get to know their purpose in life as fast as, as accurately as they possibly can. And so I, you know, I over the thirty some years that I've been doing this, I've developed methods. And then finally I developed those methods into an online tool where somebody can log in and literally in three minutes later they have their two-word purpose. And they also get a course that explains that uh, uh in in the Christian version of the tool that we have, they have a course called Oneness in Christ. And then they also can go online. We do a free um, refineyourpurpose.com is where the website is. If somebody wants to, after they found their two word purpose, they can go in. And I do a live Zoom event mm-hmm. where anybody that's used the tool can come in, register. We notify them when we're doing these things. They're private classes. And it's group coaching, is probably the best way to describe it. And we help people clarify it. So, if, or, you know, and again, it's such a unique thing because most people don't think of their purpose as a two-word purpose statement. It's uh, An example would be liberating greatness or igniting joy are examples of two-purpose statements. Mm-hmm. Two-word purpose Two-word statement. purpose statements. Igniting joy. Right. Because what happens is most people think of it as their work. They think, well, my purpose is to raise my children, or my purpose is to be a lawyer, or my purpose is to be... Uh, uh, a school teacher or, you know, they think of that, their work as their purpose rather than understanding that the work itself is neutral and the, it's a platform. And some of those platforms fit better for you or better fits for you than others, mind you. Okay. So you're career searching, but at some level, when you recognize that the work that you're about, you know, what you're doing here, Mike, on the radio, you know, with, with the shepherd here is it's a platform but you're bringing your purpose through that platform. Mm -hmm. It's It's a meaningful connection that's happening. And whenever you see it that way, now all of a sudden it's a mission field. And so anybody, your work is your mission field. And whenever you understand you have a purpose that you're bringing into it, if the mission goes away, if the radio station were to close down for some reason, or you retired, it doesn't mean that your purpose has gone away. It just means that it's moving towards your work. Your vocational calling is moving in a different place, but the purpose is still the
1: same, different platform. Different platform. Yeah. I've often thought of coming back here after 36 years in ministry is that I've just, I have a different type of pulpit right? that I, I used to operate. I started off in radio Went to television and then went back to radio and was in radio as an operations manager in Indiana when God called me to ministry. And so I I really like what you said because there was a quantum shift in what I did, but I don't know that it was all that different in its impact of God moving through me. Uh how that happened, yes, that was a lot different. I'm in ministry now, but um I was still able to touch people. I was still able to, uh, do some of the things that I started loving getting to do, uh, through just the, the, the pulpit of, of, uh, broadcasting in the early days. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm able to reach people with a message. And that was something that whether I was on secular radio or not, that was, that was a driver in the, in the bottom of my mind. So before we take a break, there's a quick question I've got to ask you. Uh, when you look at a, a believer's interpretation of this purpose and the two-word purpose, how closely related to spiritual gifts would you say their recognition of their purpose would be? Are, are these similar tones? Are they what, What's going on there?
0: Yeah, I mean, in a way, I'll use the example of sort of the potter's clay that if your purpose is the clay, then your spiritual gifts are sort of the hands and fingers that form it into whatever it's meant to be made into. Mm -hmm. So gifting, you know, because you can have people that have the same two-word purpose statement, but they're, they're gifting their vision, their missions, and their values. Because again, purpose is a strategic concept uh, in leadership of one's life or an organization. And so when when somebody has their purposes, your mission and values, and then they understand their strategic gifts or their strengths you know, like the Gallup strength finders or the Enneagram mm-hmm. or the disk profile, all of these things are indicators of perhaps where your platform fit is gonna be better. So in, in many ways, those are very useful tools for looking for where the the high, let's call it the highest and noblest expression of your purpose may land. Now again, I I'm, I I don't want to put sort of status or value judgment on a platform because God you know God uses everybody everywhere, uh, and and it's society that t- tends to put the status symbols on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, So again, I don't care whether you're picking up garbage at uh, the local waste management company or whether you are the CEO of a multinational corporation, that platform is still there and your purpose is still there. And you could have one person picking up trash and another person who's running the company and they could both have the same purpose statement of liberating greatness.
1: That's a beautiful thought, and I think more people need to get a hold of the fact that their life has more purpose than they sometimes think. I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are dissatisfied for whatever reasons, and sometimes, uh, as a book I read years ago, there are acres in their own backyard, acres of diamonds Diamonds, in their backyard, and they're looking way beyond their backyard, but the answer is real close to home, and they're just not looking for it. My guest today is Kevin McCarthy. And he is uh, from OnPurpose.me, M-E, and we're going to be back with him in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. My guest today in the studio is Kevin McCarthy from OnPurpose.me. And uh, Kevin is one of these guys that he's a consultant. I think that comes through loud and clear. I don't think there's any doubt that people are hearing you and you're very articulate. You are confident, and the reason you are that is because you've met the Lord in a, I think it's very clear in a profound way, one that has settled a lot of questions. And Kevin, wouldn't you find it that a lot of people today, when they're if they're challenged to do what you're saying and to find their purpose and to live on purpose, uh, they they have to have something to put their brain around to put their hands around and that's what it sounds like you're trying to help them do with this tool would that be right yeah absolutely i mean the, one of the powers of a two word purpose that i think is really
0: interesting again i'm going to go back to the first segment where i said that it it gives you a very specific understanding of your identity in christ or another way of thinking of his god's will because it is Uh, You know, a term like I I used liberating greatness before as an example of a two word purpose statement, or igniting joy, or awakening worth, or uh, is that there's a couple aspects to it that really matter. One is, in many cases, it's what you've struggled with the most. And so it's, uh, it's important to understand that that struggle that you're in is what you most are prepared to give. It's kind of like AA they understand in Alcoholics Anonymous that an alcoholic can help another alcoholic better than maybe a person who isn't. Mm -hmm. And so it's the very struggle, the double-edged sword of your two-word purpose. Now, that doesn't always mean that somebody's been through, you know, major changes or something, you know, life-threatening or uh, trauma of some sort to refine it. It doesn't necessarily take that but there may be uh, looking back in your life. And so the beautiful part about a two-word purpose statement is it has application to understanding one's past. It is great for your present planning, and it's also hope for your future into eternity, actually, Mm -hmm. because it has, remember, purpose is spiritual. And because it's spiritual, it gives you that sort of, uh, as you were describing earlier, a hook or an anchor into life to understand. Now, Uh, the element of purpose that I think is interesting is most people tend to naturally, even when they get their first uh, two-word purpose statement, they tend to look at it in terms of how they help other people with it. They go to the others. But I like to remind them of the, the greatest commandment, which is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in that scripture, there's actually a very specific order that God gives us that we often tend to forget um, in the Christian community. But it says, first love God, first love yourself, then love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you have this God-self and others relationship. It's a flow, if you will. And if you understand that that flow is God is first pouring your purpose into you. So if your purpose is liberating greatness, but you don't feel so great, But maybe you feel great when you help other people, but that eventually dissipates and you're back to yourself and not so happy with yourself again. This discontent just sort of takes root. So what I like to do is say to folks, look, first, your two-word purpose statement is between you and God. So when you have those days where you feel blue Go back to say, God, I need, again, using the example of liberating greatness, I need you to liberate my greatness today. Where am I great? What is going on? What is, what's happening? And you'll find that you're, you're, you're off purpose is my term for it. Uh, there may be some sort of, um, you've drifted away maybe from your relationship with Christ. Uh, there's a, and, and I, I do this. I mean, I, I have my days where I'm just like, golly, I just, and I know I'm, I'm out of relationship with God. And that's called sin is another way of looking at mm-hmm. it. But the opposite of sin is oneness with God. And so when you're one with God, that's really what On Purpose is. It's oneness with Christ, oneness with God. And in that relationship of oneness, there is peace, there is rest. You know, Jesus said, I came the, so that they they might be one with the Father like mm-hmm. I am one with the Father. So it's that wholeness that we're seeking, uh, and we're going to drift in and out of it. It's almost like, you know, here's, it's almost like, a uh, a, a, a bowl of water where there's this, there's this area that we land over, but we are yeah. always sort of on the surface, uh, moving back and forth over it. And then it, we land on it. And once we learn to navigate how to stay more centered over the, the, the center of the, the pond, I guess is the best way to describe it. Now we're going to be more, um, in that profound place. So the relationship with God is first and foremost. That's what your two-word purpose statement is about. Then it's your relationship with yourself. Are you willing to receive it? Do you feel worthy to receive it? And what does that bring up? A whole series of issues that people face, we all face. And then um, in turn, you're able, you want to give it. And so what most of us do is we tend to backfill or reverse Mm -hmm. engineer. We want to give to others and it, ge- and it feeds us. It, that service feeds us. There's no doubt about it. But we do end up empty at the end of the day or burned out or bitter um, or feeling low or whatever it may be. And that's the time we're supposed to go back to the God self and others relationship and, and migrate ourselves at the source, the origin, which is
1: God. So many people in our culture would appear that they have no problems loving themselves. That, I, I think that that is <laughs> that's,
0: that's a different problem. <laughs> that's a different
1: problem, but it's 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 kind of related in this you, because you're saying you need to love yourself, and I think I I understand what you mean by that. We all do love ourselves. the The key is not to love ourselves more than we love God, mm-hmm. and, and th- that that's very clear. I mean, it's very easy to read scripture and realize that in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure, which is uh, hedonism and their own loves, their own desires, more than lovers of God. I mean, that's one of the signs that we've uh, read about and heard about for years. But helping someone understand the biblical picture of, first of all, loving your own self enough to accept and believe who God's made you to be. Would that be another way of stating that, that it's the right balance of your own self-love is that you you accept yourself as God accepts us and love us as he loves us, but not in a conceited, arrogant, uh, narcissistic way. Would that be right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what it really, the easiest way to think of it is, again, um, most of us would have viewed that God is above us, you know, sort of heaven. And then here we are on earth, we come to our hands, our chest, if you will. And then in terms of giving to others, we reach out. So this flow that we're really a conduit. And when you understand that we're a conduit, or Mother Teresa is the one that said, you know, I'm but an instrument in God's hand. um, It's the sort of thing when you understand that you're a conduit, you know that you're not the source, but you're a means for the source and that uh in fact what I do these things called on purpose proverbs and one of my on purpose proverbs is humility is knowing yourself
1: relative to god oh that's good that's a different expression than i've heard before knowing yeah. yourself relative to knowing god is humility that's humility because humility. if you if you do take into consideration what god says and who he is you'll you will be humbled
0: you, yeah. you will have to be humbled. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be humbled. I mean, and then you think about the love that comes from that and the gift that he wants to give. And so the two-word purpose is really putting very specific understanding of your relationship and, and your identity in Christ in that way so that when you read the Bible, guess what? Uh, or you watch a TV show or a movie or you read a poem or uh, you have a conversation with somebody, you're going to see that your two-word purpose statement is going to appear again and again and again. Mm -hmm. What you like and what you dislike, where your ministry is and where your ministry isn't, is going to be influenced by that two-word purpose statement. You'll know you'll have an internal gyroscope. It's not an external compass north. It's an internal gyroscope, uh, uh, sort of a spiritual gyroscope
1: that you have within you that's going to keep you sort of upright I think this is really helpful for people who have really kind of dismissed a lot of these kind of personality tests, because the difference in what you're talking about is finding who you are as defined by God and his purpose for us versus just what is our personality and everything being just centered around the way we are. Would that be right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, the the, the, again, I love the personality
0: tests. I think they're awesome. Uh, but again, they generally are, uh, uh, they're describing aspects of who we are, but, it, uh, I, well, another example I use is electricity. I talk about purpose as being like spiritual electricity, mm-hmm. that it was always there from the, electricity has always been here at the, since the beginning, but it wasn't until Benjamin Franklin flew a kite in a key and said, "Oh my gosh, there's something here. They named it. And once you named electricity, then you could begin to study it. Then you could begin to harness it and then you could begin to give it expression, if you will, in lights, computers, cars, whatever it may be. And purpose is much like that. And so it's something that you were born with. It's something that you have. Um, it's not like you, everybody has a purpose. The difference is, have you actually understood it, named it, claimed it, and crafted it? And, and uh, without that, uh, it's not to say you can't have a good life, but are you going to have the kind of life that is a meaningful, powerful, satisfying life, um, even in the midst of what you were describing at the beginning of this, you know, a war that's going on um, where nuclear discussions are actually happening, where inflation is here, uh, political division, Uh, it's just uh, the craziness of what seems to be the world right now. How do you stay calm? And the way you stay calm is oneness in Christ.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you were barking while ago when you were talking about that oneness with Christ. That reminds me very much of the theological study of union with Christ, where our identity is in him. And we realize that his purposes and his will is that we live in, in that congruent sense with him. Mm-hmm. that we are in Christ, as Paul said, we are in him and, and living in him, uh, that, that automatically is a presupposition then that he's going to be involved in our daily lives in our walking out the purpose for the plant if we're walking with the Lord. And then uh, along with that, the Holy Spirit, uh, one mm-hmm. of the words for the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, which is the one that goes alongside and is by our side. So these really play into what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean one of the things that's really I think totally fascinating to me in today's world is where we talk about identity politics and you know in many ways the only source of our identity is is God. That's the only source. Everything else is idolatry. But what happens is a lot of people take their identifiers and think that that's their identity. So their identifier is, you know, their ethnicity, their race, their gender, their um, all the things that are sort of crazy out there in the world are actually that seem make the world seem upside down uh, are identifiers that are replaced that are false ideals, almost gold-plated calves of idolatry. Uh, which is a harsh word for in today's society, but it's actually a good description of what's going on.
1: There's no question about it. We've become an idol factory, as Luther said, Mm -hmm. and we have idols everywhere right now. I mean, and people are living this out. And this, again, going back to the word hedonism, we live in a time right now where like the self-promotion, self-exaltation is uh, prime. Uh, and, and it's seen in Hollywood. I mean, it's seen in the attitudes of movies where the the value of the simplicity of seeking after God and his purpose, the, that's just, that's terrible to from a Hollywood standpoint, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, it's crazy. And yet, you know, I had the chance to see the Mulligan movie. I don't know if anybody saw that. It's a great story. I mean, you know, the type of thing where th- there are things being produced out there by independent Christian people. Uh, movie producers. Right. You know, I happen to know Rick Eldridge, who's the producer of that. I mean, Rick and I know go back a lot of years from a CEO group that we were in. And
1: I interviewed him uh, a couple it. months back.
0: Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, I mean, just, and Wally Armstrong, who wrote the book. And with, he was here as well. Yeah. And Ken Blanchard, <laughs> who's uh, also somebody I know who's a co-author with the book. But I mean, it's That's just... great. Yeah. It's just, I mean, these are the sort of things where I, I saw that movie and I just was... um one, because I know so many people that were involved in putting it together, but it's a message of hope. And 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 in many ways, I just think that, um, uh, you know, we are what we can, we are what we eat. And that's both visually, what we consume is maybe another way to think about it. And what we're consuming these days is is harsh. There's a lot of false empty calories out there and, and idolatry, uh, false idols, whether it's, uh, and, and there's a lot of places to get your false idols. You can have it in another person's view of you being a people pleaser. You can have it in your bank account. You can have it in the car you drive, or the club you belong to, or don't belong to mm-hmm. and want to, uh, the clothes you wear, the designer clothes, the label you wear. I mean, there's just, um, you know, even the church you belong to can become an idol. And so it, these are the sort of things where you begin to look at it and say they're, they may be accessories, and there's nothing wrong with having
1: accessories, but they are not the source of your identity. What do you say, uh, what would be the, let's say, first steps? I, I know the, the very first step is they take the tool and they find out what their two-word purpose would be, but then walking it out. What are what are the steps that a person has to do once they find that? Let's just say they they find out um, uh, spreading love. let's just to take two <laughs> okay. words that that's really what causes somebody's heart to just bubble over with with joy is when God uses them to spread love one to another. How, they're still going to face things on everyday, Basis where they get up in the morning and they they there's something wrong or somebody's done them bad and they're going to be tempted right even with knowing that they're going to be tempted to not spread love.
0: Well, I think that that's always the case that we always have those temptations not to live out our purpose. It's a decision, it's a choice that we have, and yet what'll happen is that's when discontent settles in. And whenever you sense that discontent, you again you can go back and you can look. Is it God? is am i out of relationship with god in some way right now am i out of relationship with myself i know better but i'm not doing better or am i wow. out of relationship with others
1: kevin you're you're a walking uh factory of wonderful one liners oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> am i no, do i know better but i'm not doing better right. i mean that itself uh, that preaches right there i mean that really sticks when you think about it most of us live below what our ideals are. Is that not true?
0: That's true. But again, I mean, this is one of those things. I remember years ago um, at our church, I heard Bob Giannini, who at the time was the dean of the seminary of Swanee of the South, or and, and Bob uh, said, you know, we're all hypocrites. Thank God we're hypocrites, because a hypocrite is a person with a high ideal who fails. Thank God you have the high ideal. So I don't get into... you know guilt or or all these sorts of things that are associated with that because as long as you have a high ideal and you're striving towards it Mm. it's better than having no ideal yeah i like that
1: you will fall you will fall and by having a high ideal at least you can turn around and that's the whole thing about god god is the god of second chances and he gives us if we're going the wrong direction he he helps us turn around and go the right direction toward those ideals kevin mccarthy is my guest today This is Afternoons with Mike, and we'll be back with Kevin, the On Purpose Guy, right here on The Shepherd. What a fun time this has been to have Kevin McCarthy, not the political guy that you might be thinking of from California, but from right in Central Florida, Kevin McCarthy, the author of The On Purpose Person, and the website onpurpose.me. And we've been talking today a lot about this whole thing of really coming down to finding who you are in the Lord and what that two word purpose for your life would be. And uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm holding a booklet that you've just given me here. And you got to be careful when you say this word because it, it uh, could easily be mispronounced tough shift. And that is something that, um, again, <laughs> and, and the way you've got it lettered, it, it is rather humorous, but again, because we are family radio and we're not going to get into that, but this is uh, it's the subtitle of the book. Tough shift is seriously good change. So there's a shift, if you will, in the way one thinks the way one lives maybe even the way one responds to everyday activities, right?
0: Absolutely. And I think what I'm really trying to do in this book with regards to change is that all of us are going through tough times, if you will, is another way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. When you're in the middle of a tough shift event, uh, a difficulty, an adversity, how do you come through that and win? And so in many ways, um, the title of the the booklet, "A Tough Shift, uh, is... Certainly, in contrast to the vulgar version that would be easily said, that mm-hmm. if somebody said the vulgar version of that to you, it's it's a it's an end of a statement. It's a it leaves you down. It leaves you no hope. Where whenever you're going through a tough shift event, and you're able to look at it at the end and say, "Oh, it's just a tough shift. I will get through this." Right. I mean, the other day I happened to be practicing tennis uh, at a tennis court and it was of there's two courts there was nobody else just me on the court and there's a woman sitting by herself at a park bench and she yells out at me are you a lawyer and i said no i'm not and she started and i said i came over and i said to her is there something i can help you with because i've got a lot of understanding of legal issues because of my business background and she just started to break into tears and she was just said i just was served papers for a divorce ah oh. And so I, you know, I happened to reach, went back to my car, gave her a tough shift book, prayed with her, and, uh, and gave her my phone number and said, "If I can ever help you." And I also gave her the name of a divorce lawyer, which she was going to need—a Christian divorce lawyer that I know here in town. And so I, I think that what happens is somebody else could just have said, "Hey, you know, tough," yeah, and and yeah. left her there. But whenever uh, you're able to say, you will get through this. And so the idea in the Tough Shift book is uh, adversity is something that that forms character. Hmm. And when you understand it as forming character, then you're in a position where you don't run from it as much. Uh, it's not fun. I'm not sitting here, I don't mean to belittle anybody that's going through a divorce, a diagnosis, a bankruptcy, mm-hmm. any kind of tough shift that they're in, uh, even just the breakup of a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, these are tough shifts, but you do come out of them for the better. And in the book, I give seven questions that I ask people to answer. And when you have the answer to these seven questions, you're in a much better position to weather the storm, if you will, of the tough shift. So All right,
1: I've got to look it up here. Yep. Question number one is Is life meaningful?
0: Is life meaningful? The answer to that is yes or no. And and depending upon how you answer that, if you if life is not meaningful, then can you find meaning? That would, again, that's where the on yeah. tool is designed to help people come to there. But if you really believe that life is meaningless, then Then asking the questions is meaningless, and it 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 throws you down really into the vulgar version versus the virtuous version of what we're trying to do here. So that first question is a big, big question. It's a worldview question that that we all need to ask ourselves and have a yes or no answer to. There's not a maybe. Uh, Now that you may be at maybe right now, but ultimately you want to get the answer to that question. Then you know, the next question that comes along is this question of who am I? And that then goes to the identity issue, which is a lot of what we've been describing of who am I? If life is meaningful, then I'm meaningful. If the world is meaningful, then I'm, I have a place in a meaningful place, the large scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So where is my meaning and where do I belong? And what is my identity in the midst of that? How am I different? How is Mike different from Kevin? And and how do, how, how do I fit in that sense? And so it's the search for identity that we're on. And so by having an answer to that, you're in a much better place. And a lot of the conversation we just had is what is the source of your identity? And if the source of your identity is in identifiers or idolatry, then you're going to have dissatisfaction.
1: When you look at the uh, state of the church today, in a lot of sectors, I mean, there's big news even this week, Kevin, about... Uh, what the Southern Baptists are going through, and it would appear that they've got some uh, rough days uh, to uh, to answer, some things to answer for, and uh, you know we're praying for them. I, Al Mohler did a wonderful uh, a part on his podcast yesterday, and. These are tough times because leaders have seemingly, for whatever reason, a lot of leaders have abandoned some of these purposes that God has made very clear to us. A lot of leaders look the other way. And I wonder, if do you think they've bowed to cultural preference about, about ideals, about what should be, should, how, how should I have responded to this type of a situation? And sometimes the responses are simply just wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a very, obviously, it's a very complex and complicated issue. And that's why, again, I sort of go back to the minimalist approach, which is what is the root of that? And that's why I ch- I said, if I can help people answer seven questions that are fundamental questions, then maybe, you know, if something's, I, and I'm not familiar with what you're describing with what's going on right now within the Southern Baptist Church, I'll, I'll confess that. Um, but the aspect is I see it with Disney right now, what Disney's doing, mm-hmm. and, and I recognize that um, it's happening, it's just happening all across the world and, and we' it's part of it's our societal divide that we have. So at some level, when you're in a world of societal divide, when family members are on different sides of either the political spectrum, the you know the, the gender issues, the uh, whatever you name it mm-hmm. and, and, okay, and at some level, I, I, if you don't have a sense of who you are, then you are going to be caught into the flow of things—gender
1: issues, CRT, racial issues, Correct. all of these things like that—and it is easy to get caught. And I think—I uh, think my people, the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And so there's a lot of times that we are caught in these things just because we haven't really taken the time to learn what is in the word about it yeah
0: and, 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 and where is truth and so at some level the word that we know where truth is it sits in the word it sits in a relationship and when we have that um, we're in a much better position to actually not necessi- it's it's interesting i think in many ways the power of not engaging may be the lost art that is missing in a lot of this in other words don't take the bait
1: and and do as Jesus did, just love them for where they are. That's a powerful thought right there. Don't take the bait. And it is really difficult to not do that in this day and age. There's so much crazy stuff going on that that we can throw our hat into the ring of discussion, probably overcommit ourselves and say more than we need to say. But I, I love that biblical picture that we get that, the wise man is slow to speak, but very quick mm. to listen. And that's good advice, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And and to ask questions, clarify, help me understand what you mean by that. What's that mean? You know, you're very good, Mike, at asking questions. And so it's the sort of thing where if we could all learn to be better at asking questions, we would actually reach, I think, to a much more mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a friend of mine that I grew up playing tennis with who's a woman who's LGBT, married, lives in California, and we were recently communicating over Messenger of all things. And she was telling me she was all worried about my state of Florida because of the uh, don't say gay. And I said, uh, I'm more worried about your state of California. So we clearly understood we were on opposite ends of the political spectrum and also uh, the issue. And I said to her, you know, if you actually read the bill, um, you'll find it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It at doesn't all. say that at all. And, and she actually had said, you know, look, I'm not for teaching gender identity in K through three, K through three. And I said, then you're a supporter of the bill. You just don't realize it. And, and she then, you know, had all these misconceptions and it's just, so by asking her questions, we actually came to the point where I, you know, I'm going to love her no matter what. And I told her that I'm just going to love you for who you are and our friendship that's there. And those other things, you know what, we're going to see them differently, but I'm just not going to engage with you because I think the relationship is more important
1: than being right. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is really a great example. And we live again with uh, these realities before us every day. Uh, I think of the the words from Joshua, choose this day uh, who you're going to serve as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. And that's going to be what we do, but we also have to make a a choice between life and death. And the words that you're talking about here are really words of life and not death, not death to relationship, because it would be just easy for you to take the bait and just wash that other person off, tell them off, tell them how wrong they are, and then you know, hang up the phone. I mean, that's what a lot of people do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And again, I'm I'm not talking politics
0: here. I'm talking relationships. Yeah. You know, in the political arena, which is not my field, even though I've got the name Kevin McCarthy, um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's not my area of expertise. And and I wouldn't. Uh, that's why I wouldn't run for office because I look at it and say I don't know how effective I would be in advocating in that regard. So I know my I know my strengths. I know where I'm I belong. Uh, but the other side of the coin is, I don't get. I, I, you know, I just find that the political thing it does upset me. It does get me. But I, I've learned. I've just got to love. Mm. You know, that's the that's the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, I mean, that's that's what I do. Now, um, speaking of what you
1: do, and you 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 do it awfully perfectly from my standpoint. <laughs> thanks. Uh, but uh, when you look at your own life, d- does anybody ever ask you, Kevin? what is your two-word purpose statement?
0: They do, I get that asked all the time. And mine is actually being on purpose and on hyphen purpose uh, is is what it's about. So when you hyphenate a word, it's two words. Uh, we actually do have in the tool a three-word purpose statement. but It's called lighting the way, but the way is actually a, a singular concept. Uh, and so uh, mine is being on purpose and I struggle with just being present with people. I'm very much in the future. I mean, I was, uh, it seems like everything I write is 20 to 30 years ahead of its time. Uh, nice place to be if you can position it, but it's hard to eat sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, but the other side of it is on purpose. Being on purpose is something I struggle with. I mean, so again, it goes back to that double-edged sword. The very thing that you struggle with um, is what you most want to give. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm prone to get off purpose. I'm prone to get distracted. I'm prone to get my identity wrapped up in all the wrong places. And, uh, th- so in many ways, um, you know, this is, uh, a lot of lessons learned over my, uh, uh, 67 years on the planet where it's just called uh, it's taken me a long time to get here because mm-hmm. uh, I used to be a fighter. I mean, I would fight it. I would go out and I'd, I'd want to fight the, you know, one side or the other. I'd want to argue my position. I still do. Don't get me wrong. I'm a competitor. I play tennis. I compete. I like to win. All of those things are there. But at the end of the day, I recognize um, I'm better off to have the relationship intact um, than I
1: am not. Wow. Wow. You'll be back. We got to have you back on the program again. This is so great. Kevin McCarthy, author of The On Purpose Person, uh, this booklet, Tough Shift, Seriously Good Change, Turning Adversity into Your Advantage. Uh, Give us your website. Well, the website for this
0: one is toughshift.com and our website in general, uh, the tool is onpurpose.me. And then I also have just onpurpose.com. We'll Take you to all of it
1: now on purpose. In that sense, it's not hyphenated, right? It's just—it's
0: uh, it's either way. It's with uh, the hyphen or without. I've got, got it all covered. I got them
1: all covered. Oh my goodness, that's great, Kevin McCarthy. Thank you for being with me here today and for helping us. I think you really have helped us a lot get a better understanding about how we can live on purpose in our lifetime. And friends, thank you for joining us as well. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on the Shepherd.